Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Julia Spare's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 21st of December, and my name is Helen Freer. Bonds rallied across Europe yesterday while most equity markets struggled. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with Roman Canciani. Carsten Menker is on the show this morning as well. And as the end of the year approaches, I'll be asking Carsten about our outlook for commodities in 2024. And Nicola Jordan is also on the show this morning to update us on the latest news from the CIO office. Before we get going, just a quick note that our latest Beyond Markets podcast came out yesterday where I had a very interesting conversation with Fabian Venner and Philip Leinhardt from our equity research team about obesity drugs. So do look out for that one. There's a German version available too on our Marktanalysen und Gespräche channel. But back to today and first up is Roman with the market news. Good morning, Roman. Good morning, Helen. So when we were discussing the markets this morning, you mentioned that the rate cut fantasy seems to be growing by the day and that it's now Europe that's in the spotlight. Why is that? Well, yes, that's uh, right, Helen. And the reason for yesterday's bond rally across Europe was two new sets of inflation data for the region, both of which surprised to the downside. Germany's producer price index fell point. 5% month on month in November uh, versus expectations for only a 0.3% decline. And in the UK, year on year consumer price inflation fell below 4% in November, also versus the higher expectations for a figure uh, of around 4.3%. And as a result, the euro and the sterling fell and bond markets across Europe rallied with the uh, yield on 10-year German government bonds falling below 2% for the first time in nine months. The rally in UK government bonds was even stronger, with the 10-year yield falling more than 11 basis points to stand at 3.52 this morning. But stock markets weren't so impressed, were they? That's absolutely right. While it's certainly good news that uh, global inflation is starting to crumble on a broader basis, market participants, uh, particularly in Europe, are concerned that central banks won't be quick enough to react and unwind their generally tight policies, triggering a widespread recession across the old continent and the UK. So after a quick roar at the start of the trading day, stock markets across Europe struggled to defend Tuesday's closing levels. So the euro stocks 600 index ended the day down just about even, while London's FTSE 100 managed to hold on to its gains up more than 1% thanks to many of the companies of the index profiting from the outlook for a weaker currency. Okay, let's focus on the US now. What happened there? Yes, uh, it was a similar story in the US at the start of the trading day with uh, Treasuries continuing their impressive rally and the 10-year trading below the 390 mark, a whopping 40 basis points lower than at the start of this month. Meanwhile, the stock market started uh, the day in the red, not least on the back of weak results from FedEx, widely seen as a bellwether for the economic outlook. So the stock traded down as much as 12% on the day. Overall, there's a growing chorus of commentary on the news wires that the recent bond rally has gotten ahead of itself, uh, unless, of course, the base case of those betting on lower rates is a deep recession. Which is not our research analyst base case, correct? No, it isn't. Our CIO Yves Bonson wrote just yesterday that he continues to see no signs of US recession and that he expects US corporate earnings to grow in 2024, laying the fundamental base for a continuation of the equity bull market he believes we are in. And the latest leading indicators seem to prove his positive view, right? 
Yes, well, if you want to form an opinion based on one set of data, that's right. Yesterday, we saw the latest results from the US Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index, which uh, monitors economic conditions in December and both subcomponents, uh, so the assessment of the current conditions uh, and that of the uh, of, of expectations, surprised to the upside. Despite this, yesterday was a day of profit-taking with the S&P 500 index closing down 1.5% and no sector posting a positive performance on the day. While telecoms were broadly flat, it was consumer staples and utilities that underperformed the market by a wide margin. And uh, yields continued their march lower despite a relatively poor auction result for new 20-year treasuries. 10-year yields are at 388 this morning after Patrick Harkert, the Philadelphia Fed president, said that the US central bank should start to slowly lower interest rates. Right. And what's the news out of Asia overnight? How are markets faring there? Well, Unsurprisingly, Asian stocks are down overall this morning following the losses on Wall Street. Uh, And the story here is the same as in the US. Traders appear to be unwinding positions after the rally of recent weeks. And ahead of the long Christmas weekend, uh, Japanese stocks are leading Asia lower, with Toyota down 4% on the news that a safety scandal is brewing and the car makers recalled 1 million cars in the US. Meanwhile, Chinese onshore stocks are rising on new data showing that house prices in Shanghai and Beijing have risen sharply following recent policy easing and uh, despite rumors that the U.S. is considering raising tariffs on imports of some Chinese goods, including electric vehicles. So the Nikkei closed down 1.6% and the uh, Shanghai CSI 300 index was up about 1% when I checked a few minutes ago. Okay. And what's in store for investors today then? Are we getting into the holiday lull now, do you think? Well, not quite. Uh, Although the news flow on the data front is relatively light in Europe, uh, with only Italy's PPI numbers and France's business confidence expected today, there is still plenty to look out for in the US, including the jobless claims for last week, uh, the Philadelphia Fed's business outlook and some US manufacturing activity data. Uh, In terms of market performance, uh, while Europe is still playing catch-up after yesterday's losses in the US, uh, US stock market futures are actually pointing to a higher opening this afternoon. That's it from me. Very good. Thank you very much, Roman, for the roundup this morning. Thank you very much. Now, Carsten, good morning, firstly. Good to have you on the show today. Hello, Helen. Good morning. So as the end of the year approaches, it's that time of year when financial analysts think about their outlook for the next year. Uh, But maybe before we look ahead to the commodity market in 2024, let's quickly recap 2023. Your title for this year was Shaking Off the Shocks. Did the year play out as you expected, Carsten? Uh, Mostly, yes. So in 2023, commodity markets largely continued the process of shaking off the post-pandemic shocks, which already begun in in 2022. Uh, Prices retreated across the board from energy to metals and agriculture throughout the year. Of course, the underlying narratives changed with time. So initially, after China's reopening euphoria, recession fears were still dominant and depressed the market mood and prices. The economy surprised with its resilience for the most part of 2023, as we know, uh, absorbing the inflation and rate shocks in the Western world, as well as managing China's growth issues or the structural property problems uh, in particular. 
Eventually, the beliefs about structural scarcities of commodities came under scrutiny. Uh, the supply situation across commodity markets overall normalized or started to normalize, and signs of cost inflation remained absent. Uh, this posed further headwinds to prices. The most notable exception is, of course, gold, which failed to retreat despite uh, lower recession risks and despite fading safe haven demand. Okay, let's look ahead now then. You titled the 2024 outlook nearing the new normal. This doesn't sound like your overall view on commodity markets is changing. No, it doesn't. Uh, Instead, we believe that these established trends, they will largely continue The old new normal, so to speak, and the impacts of the strongly spinning investment and innovation super cycles we are observing in the economy overall should create more headwinds than tailwinds for commodities. First, supply and demand balances should remain adequate, offering limited directional price trends. The economy is not strong enough to cause tightness, and supplies and also spare capacities seem ample enough to absorb any kind of temporary shock. Second, cost structures across the various commodity supply chains seem to be unchanged. Inflationary pressures are cooling, as we heard again, and structural productivity gains persist, e.g. in energy markets. So cost trends in the energy space remain rather deflationary than inflationary, which is key, of course, for the economy overall. The same applies uh, to industrial metals in general, with copper being a notable exception. Okay, and specifically on energy now, what's your view on oil? Well, simply speaking, oil should trend towards $70 per barrel over the course of 2024. Supplies are uh, ample, uh, given the soft economy, and also given the nearing peak of oil demand as the energy transition accelerates. Supply constraints have come primarily from politics, so from the OPEC plus, uh, from the patronations, rather than any underinvestment. What about the energy crisis then? Is that over? Yes, it's over. So the boost from global natural gas availability and the rise in solar and wind power generation should lead to ample supplies and persistent deflationary forces in gas and electricity markets basically introducing fossil fuels to their longer-term role as a backup source. Moving over to the industrial metals, you already mentioned that China's property problems are set to persist. What does Mm -hmm. this mean for the metals then? Well, I think it seems very clear that the industrial metal markets will not get a growth spark from China in 2024. The problems in the property market persist for structural reasons, and the likelihood of a broad-based and metal-intensive stimulus is very low due to China's high debt burden. That said, overall, there seems to be more clarity about China's growth outlook for 2024 than what we had for 2023. Okay, so not a very constructive backdrop for the industrial metals overall, but you still keep your positive view on copper. Uh, Absolutely. So beyond the cooling of the global economy and China's growth challenges, we still see copper coming closer to the structural shortages that we have been forecasting from the middle of the decade on. Energy transition-related demand is rising strongly, while mine supply growth should start softening due to previous underinvestment. Okay, and last but not least, your thoughts on gold. We've discussed it quite a few times over the last few weeks. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) So, again, the mood in the gold market has shifted from bearish to bullish during the past few weeks. 
as the narrative in the market has shifted from higher for longer US interest rates to a rapid reversal of US monetary policy. Um, and while we believe that interest rates have reached their peak and will come down next year, we do not expect such a rapid reversal unless the US economy slips into recession. And as safe haven seekers are still staying on the sidelines and we don't foresee a recession next year, again, uh, highlighting this, we do see more downside than upside for gold and remain cautious. Okay, wonderful. Great to hear a summary of your outlook this morning, Carsten. And we look forward to hearing more from you next year as well and see how things develop. Thanks very much, Helen. And moving over to you now, Nicola. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Helen. So with the year coming to an end, what are your thoughts overall on this year? How would you assess 2023? Well, in December last year, we said that we expect a roller coaster ride in 2023. And looking at the year-to-date performance chart, it has been quite a ride indeed. I think in hindsight, we definitely made the right call not to enter the year as bearish as most of the other market participants. In this challenging environment, we have kept a very clear course and continued to rule out the possibility of a recession in the US due to various indicators. Of course, we also had trickier months in late summer, for example, where our bullish view was challenged quite a bit, but it was definitely worth it to stick to our fundamental beliefs in order to be fully invested during this impressive year and rally we are witnessing. All in all, 2023 is likely to go down as a good year for financial markets and most investors, something that was not necessarily expected by many 12 months ago. Okay, and let's look ahead now then to next year. What are you expecting for 2024? Well, first of all, I think it's important to mention that the world is not going to drastically change on New Year's Eve. So our views also do not necessarily take significant turns during that time of the year. But of course, it's always a good time to reflect on our expectations and assess whether we are still comfortable with the current portfolio construction. As Roman mentioned in the beginning, we continue to see no signs of a US recession and expect US corporate earnings to grow in 2024. However, we think this favorable macroeconomic backdrop is somewhat mitigated by the fact that the current market consensus is much less pessimistic than one year ago. Why is that important? Well, if all the market participants are already bearish and remain on the sidelines, there are not many sellers left and the downside is limited. On the other hand, if the consensus is bullish, most market participants are already invested, there are not many buyers left and the upside potential is somewhat kept. Nonetheless, we expect the bull market in equities to continue well into 2024 and remain bullish for the time being. And what about in terms of positioning then? Have you made any changes to your asset allocation recently? Mm, no, we entered the new year with an unchanged positioning in our portfolios. We think the construction is well balanced, meaning that we are able to nicely perform in a potential market rally in January, but we are also reasonably defensive in case of a downturn. We also remain comfortable with our overweight position in the US dollar in non-US dollar portfolios. It offers us some protection in multi-asset portfolios in the event of another rise in interest rates or even in a potential recession. We might consider doing some tweaks to some smaller positions in our portfolios in January, but I do not anticipate big changes to the overall risk load. That's all from my side. Back to you, Helen. Excellent. Thanks very much, Nicola, for joining us this morning. Thank you. 
So that is all for today. Thank you again to my guests this morning and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show and you haven't yet subscribed, then don't forget to do so. And please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be back talking to more of our colleagues about what is moving markets. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer, we would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.